I am reading from Genesis chapter 15 tonight, today, and uh, I believe that this can be a timely message for somebody. Let me just do a poll, and you just need to be honest by raising your hand, but how many here are going through something right now? Yeah, pretty good. At least you're honest. We're all going through some things. We're all dealing with some things. And uh, I believe that the Lord has laid on my heart this week a a message. And uh, this scripture was pointed out to me uh, by an old-time Pentecostal preacher that I heard him preach years and years and years ago. And uh, it just, that's kind of how I operate. I'll, I'll throw a message or a sermon on in the office. And it's not a recent sermon. I go back to the 80s and 90s and listen to those preachers and uh, gather some things from them. And the Lord just began to deal with me. And so I'm using his passage today. Genesis chapter 15, I want to read just verses 12 and 13. And when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo... And horror of great darkness fell upon him. How many want to be like Abraham? A horror of great darkness fell upon him. That's a nightmare, just so you can read into the modern day English. He went to sleep and he had a nightmare. And this was the words that came to him in his nightmare. Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs and shall serve them and that they shall afflict them 400 years. How'd you like to have that? God, speak to me. Mm -hmm. I want to, with the help of the Lord, minister this thought. Pain always precedes promise. Pain always precedes promise. A subtitle could be this, and this is a, the first time I heard this phrase was from Pastor Suber. There's always frustration in transition. There's always frustration in transition. There's some of you that raise your hand that you're going through some things and you may even think it's to the detriment of your life, but I'm here to tell you by the word of the Lord that it could be just the birthing of your promise. It could just be the birthing of your testimony. It could just be the birthing of your message. Your pain today may just be giving life to a promise of God. There could be just something around the corner that magnifies itself and elevates itself in your life so you step into a new anointing, a fresh touch, a new dimension of relationship. But in order to get there, you've got to go through some things. I believe that it's interesting to read this because... You and I are averse, we, we, it, it bristles our spirits to say that sometimes we need to blame God. It goes against our nature. We'll blame everything else. We'll blame the plumber and the carpenter and the mechanic and the boss and the wife and the kid and Satan and this and that. And we blame all kinds of things for all the stuff we deal with. Usually we don't blame ourselves. 
even though we're probably most to blame in most instances. And, and, but we definitely don't blame God because God is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's a graceful God. He is that, but there's a scripture in Corinthians, and I didn't write it down, but there's a scripture that says, Behold the goodness and the terribleness of God. There is a side of God that uses terrible things to make good things happen. I want you to to back up with me in Scripture here and listen to this just for a minute because verse number 7 addresses who is speaking to Abraham. It's the Lord that brought him out of Ur of the Chaldees. And then he allows Abram to go to sleep. And Abram has a nightmare. But notice who's talking to him in his nightmare. It's the Lord. How many of you have ever prayed, Lord, I just want to hear from you? Be careful what you're asking. Because the Lord steps into a nightmare that Abram, a horror is what the Bible says, and he speaks to Abram and he says, listen, I've got a promise for you, but that promise isn't going to come to pass until it goes and serves some people and they're going to be afflicted for 400 years. Praise God. So I want you to keep that in the back of your mind while I continue here because I pray that by the end of this message, you're going to recognize not your pain but your promise. A nightmare, I just kind of Googled it. It says it's this, and this was not me writing it. This is right off of Google. It says it is a vividly realistic disturbing scenes that rattle you awake from rest. Think of that. It rattles you awake from rest. Can I just tell you that God doesn't like complacency? And sometimes... We get so zoned in on our comfort level and where we operate the best that sometimes he has to shake us from rest. And sometimes that shaking has to come from him sending to you and I a nightmare. I know it's quiet, but give it just a few minutes. Google went on to say this. A nightmare often is caused by emotional issues, major life changes, trauma, and stress. How many have any of those four happening today? (laughs) Emotional issues, major life changes, trauma, and stress. All of us have those all the time. Which lets me know that there's always somebody that's getting ready to step into an anointing that they've never experienced before. 
it lets me know that there's a door that is open to somebody all the time that's getting ready. And when you step through your door of anointing, your anointing spills over to me. And when I step through my door of anointing, the anointing spills over to you. So get excited when your fellow believer is stepping into a new anointing. There is a medical center called the Viva Center. Again, I got this through Google. I've never visited, don't know where it's at. But it said this. Nightmares are linked to unmet psychological needs and or frustration with life experiences. Frustration and transition. They tend to reflect our troubles through metaphor rather than literal representation. If you're going through something, just know that there's a thing on the other side that will make it worth it. The nightmare that you're experiencing right now is being used by Almighty God if it wasn't even maybe even sent from Him in order to get something shaking in you, stirring in you, so that you step forth in power and authority and righteousness and goodness because God understands human nature tries to stay comfortable and will not step out of the box but until they become uncomfortable. So, you don't believe me. Let me just share with you what I believe. How many like, see, we like dreams sometimes. Okay, we, those are sometimes enjoyable. Nightmares, not so much. And dreams are now, in the natural, I'm sure I dream, but I don't ever remember my dreams. Never. My eyes open, there's it. My wife can carry on a dream for three weeks. <clears throat> she puts it on pause in the morning, picks it up the next night. I'm not even being comical. That's really the truth. That's what she, that's. And, and so dreams are designed, and, and let me equate for the purpose of this message. Dreams are our promises. Dreams are our destiny. And so what a dream is designed to do is to reveal your promise or your destiny and inspire you to act upon it. So when we talk about what God has promised for us, we get all excited. God has promised you to have this and to be this and to become this. And we get excited about what God has given us a dream for and our destiny. And, and we're inspired to pray more and to love more and to serve more and all of those things. That's what a dream is for. Here is the purpose of a nightmare. The purpose of a nightmare, and, and again, I'm not just talking about the thing that happens at night, but the situation that is a nightmare, the thing that is tearing you up, that is shaking you, that's freaking you out, that's causing you sleepless nights, that's causing you to daydream and shift and, and, and not get things done, the things that make you almost paralyze you with fear, those are the nightmares I'm talking about. They are designed by God for a purpose. 
and I believe it's a threefold purpose. Number one, a nightmare or a situation is designed to reveal to yourself who you are. Can I just tell you, I would not know anything about the strength that's in me if I didn't go through something. Everything that comes and forms and shapes us, the only way we can know how strong we are is if we go through something. Because it's in those times of testing and trials and tribulations and nightmares that it reveals to us who we really are. And so we get an identification for ourselves in the heat of the battle. Am I willing to trust God or do I have to try to figure it out on my own? Do I have to get worried about things? Do I have to stress myself out about I learn from the hard times who I really am. The second purpose of a nightmare or a situation that's like that is it reveals to us who God is. Let me ask you a question. If he never brought you out of the miry clay, would you know him as one that can? Unless he's ever healed you, have you ever believed and know and understand the healing? If he's ever delivered you, if he's ever kept you, if he's ever, all of those things. I said it today in our all-in class. Listen, we love the concept of miracle signs and wonders. God, pour out the miracles. God, do this. God, do you understand what is necessary for a miracle? A mess. You can't have the miracle until you're in the middle of your nightmare. God can't move in the situation until you're in the middle of a situation. Otherwise, it's just abstract. Otherwise, it's just philosophy. Otherwise, it's just theory. But when you get into the core of the mess that you're in and the situation that you're in and God reaches in in power and might and authority and pulls you out of that junk, you get a no new discovery and revelation of who he is. And then last but not least... The third reason for a nightmare is simply this. It's an opportunity to kick the devil in the teeth. Because if the devil has learned anything through the years, he has learned to attack the people of God when God allows and or sends situations into their lives. Well, it, it, I know some of you are looking at with me with blank face because this goes against everything that you ever heard, how God is good and God is great and thankful for this food, let's eat. Read the book of Job and let me ask you this question. Who originated the disasters for Job? It says, if you read it closely, that God and the devil are having a conversation. And God says, have you considered my servant Job? And Satan says, well, not really because you got all kinds of protection around him. You've built up fortresses around him. I haven't really even thought about him. Well, listen, I want you to think about him today. Because I'm going to remove all of that. 
all of the thing that was holding him together that you think was holding him together, and I'm just going to just let him be plunged into a horror. Because I know, Satan, that my servant serves me not because of the good times, but he serves me because of who I am. Oh, I, 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 I hope I'm not troubling some of you today. 1 Samuel chapter 2. Again, now everybody say this is not pastor. He's reading scripture. 1 Samuel 2, verse number 6. The Lord killeth. Uh-oh. It doesn't say you kill. It doesn't say nature kills. It doesn't even say Satan kills, although he tries to. It says the Lord kills and maketh alive. He, the Lord, bringeth down to the grave and bringeth up. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. He bringeth low and lifteth up. Now, I know some of us look at those scriptures and think it's talking about different people, that he allows some to be poor and he allows some to be rich. That's not what it's saying. If you read closely in the Hebrew, what it's saying is the Lord causes you to die so he can raise you up. He brings you down to the grave so he can bring you out. He brings you down to poor so he can make you rich. He brings you low so he can raise you high. Let me tell you, my friend, don't despise the downturn. Don't despise the nightmare. Don't despise the situation that seems to be tearing you apart. It's the way that God prepares you and equips you for a brand new anointing. Get excited. If you're going through something today, it should stir something up in your spirit that says, God's getting ready. God's getting me ready to do something for him. Think about this. Psalm 66, verse 10 through 12. This is a song. If we sang this today, some of you would wonder what we were singing about. Verse number 10. For thou, O God, has proved us. Well, God doesn't test us. No, God doesn't tempt us. God tests us all the time. He puts us through. And, and by the way, let me just say this while I say that. He doesn't test you to prove you to him. The test is to prove him to you. He puts you through some things so you recognize him brand new. There's something about human nature that when everything is going good, we think we did it. And when everything's going bad, we think somebody else did it. And what God is trying to say, I've got all of it in control. I've got you when you're down. I've got you when you're up. I keep you when you're hurting. I'm keeping you when you're safe. I'm the one that's taking care of it all. Just rest in my hand. You prove us. You have tried us as silver is tried. You brought us into the net. 
You laid affliction upon our Lord. You're the one that laid affliction. Well, God doesn't afflict people. The psalmist thought so. Well, yeah, he just uses bad things that happen to me to make it good. Because we misquote the scripture in Romans that says all things work together to them that are good, uh, too good for them that are called according to his purpose. Okay? Let me just tell you, and I've used this before, but let me just tell you that a baker in the picture of God, when they make chocolate chip cookies, they purposely put stuff in there that doesn't taste good. You get the ingredients of a good chocolate chip cookie laid out, and you eat those ingredients on your own, on their own. It's not good. I don't like raw eggs. Some of you muscle freaks might, but I don't like eating flour on its own. I don't like eating salt on its own. But yet somewhere in that analogy, we always, with that verse in Romans, we always think, oh, the bad things just accidentally fall into the mixing pot. No, 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 no. The baker puts them in. Because the baker knows the nastiness of all salt mixed with the sugar and mixed with the flour and mixed with the whatever else goes. And he shows, shows you how much I make chocolate chip cookies. All of that stuff, when that gets put together and it comes, and then it's put into a fire, and the heat of it, when it comes out, now you're all hungry. But let me just tell you something. It's the same thing. God takes your life and he places the ingredients. And this could be a loss and this could be a change of job and this could be a change of home and this could be a car breakdown and this could be a sickness. And, the, and it's, he blends the baker. God himself is mixing it all together. They're not accidentally falling into place because he knows when he puts a little bit of his sweetness in there and he puts a little bit of sour in there and he mixes you all up, you are mixed with the grace of God, you step forth as a powerhouse for him. Verse 12, you've caused men to ride over our heads. Have you ever felt trampled by people? Who do you blame? Could it be God? Could it be God that sent that person to trample you, to talk bad about you? Oh, listen, I'm, I'm, going, I'm, I'm going big picture here, folks. you got to catch this. If you want to be a follower of the Lord, he may allow somebody to talk you down, to criticize you, to ridicule you, because he knows that somebody else that's listening will register something different and God will speak to them. And God will say, mm, maybe that wasn't exactly right. I, that hasn't played out for me. That hasn't been my experience with that person. That person is more real than the, what the guy is describing. But let me just tell you what ends up happening. What ends up happening is the glory of the Lord emanates. I, I know some of you are getting this. We went through fire. And through water. God, you put us through fire. 
You put us through water. Can I just tell you something? The children of Israel in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they were put into a fiery flame of a furnace that was heated seven times hotter that when the door was open it killed all of the soldiers around there why were they going in there because Nebuchadnezzar was a crazy man was ticked off and put in there no 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 he they were put in there because God created a furnace for them he was already waiting on the inside because when the three children were thrown in the next glance in there was already a fourth man never walked through the door never was a part of it but had prepared the furnace for the children of Israel so that a testimony would be made to where even one of the most evil kings of all time declared their God is the true God. Let me finish this verse. But he brought us out into a wealthy He doesn't leave you there, but he'll get you there. One more verse, and then I'm, I'm going to start, start closing. Proverbs chapter 16. I read Pro, one proverb, uh, chapter of Proverbs every day. So today, or yesterday was the 16th. So before we started working, I was reading Proverbs. And this verse just jumped from me. Verse number 4. The Lord, everybody say the Lord, has made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Can I tell you, if you look in that, there's, if, if you have a cross-reference Bible, it, that verse refers you to Exodus chapter 9. And if you read the passage of Exodus chapter 9, what the scripture is saying is that God used the plagues to release the promise. Some of you are still blank-faced. God, help us to get this. Sometimes God puts something negative in your life to explode the positive. Let me go a little bit further in this analogy. Sometimes he even creates wicked things to get us to positive outcomes. Let me ask you this. I believe that part of God's purpose or part of God's dream was the establishment of a church. But the church could never be established until Jesus had the nightmare of Calvary. Listen, your whole experience with Jesus was birthed out of a horror, was birthed out of a nightmare, was birthed out of a pressure, was birthed out of a situation that seemingly was negative. But because he went through it, because he, and the Bible says it this way in Hebrews, because there was joy on the other side of the problem, he recognized I've just got to get going through the problem. I've just got to deal with it. He prayed in the garden, not my will, but thy will be done. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to experience it because I know on the other side 
spite of my nightmare is the fulfillment of my dream. Can I just tell somebody today, you're waiting for the fulfillment of your dream and God is trying to tell some of you it's just on the other side of your mess. So lift your head, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. My friend, your situation isn't dire. It's used by God. It may have even been sent by God in order to purify you and prepare you because he's getting ready to catapult you into something brand new. Jesus had to go to hell before he arose. Read the scripture. He was laid in the tomb and he took his days while he was in the tomb. It says that he descended into the depths to get the keys. What would have happened to us and this church, the fulfillment of God's dream? What would have happened had he been not been willing to pay the price? And to walk actually into hell so that you and I wouldn't have to. I'm trying today to shake somebody out of your pity party. Woe is me. Woe is me. I'm dealing with, Pastor, you just don't understand. My sister, my brother, my friend, they're all just, they're turning their backs on me and they're talking behind my back and they're messing with me and they're criticizing me and ridiculing. I don't really care. Because what it tells me is that God is preparing you for greatness. I learned a long time ago that you don't get elevated in God without going through the frustration of transition. Without the beating and the suffering of going through some things. Can I just tell you the, the, the scripture in Philippians chapter 3, verse number 10. All that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. And we love that message. Yeah, God, help me to rise. It's not where he stopped the next statement. And in the fellowship of his sufferings. How many of you prayed to hurt like Jesus? How many of you have been praying to suffer like Jesus? How many? It's I want to know him. I want to know what broke his heart. I want to know what made him struggle. I want to know what made him because I'll know him better and the resurrection becomes more powerful because of the suffering. Let me put it in King James terminology. The glory that is to come does not compare to the glory that is now. I want to close with this, and then we're going to pray. Jesus was subtle. And if you don't pick up the way Jesus dealt with people, you're missing some of the depths of Jesus. Uh, there, there's two instances that I am referring to today. When Judas Iscariot, we hate him. Right? He's the devil that was in the 12. He was the reprobate. He was the betrayer. He was the one that caused all kinds of problems. He's the one that caused Jesus to go to the cross. But how did Jesus address him in the garden? Friend, 
why have you come? Jesus recognized something. But that doesn't even register with me until if you read earlier in the Gospels. There's a conversation that is had between Simon Peter and the Lord. And the Lord starts sharing with the disciples how he's got to go to Jerusalem and to die and to be buried three days. And, and he said, and here's what Peter says. Peter says, not on my watch. That's Tim Sanders' version. Not on my watch. There's no way that we're not going to allow that. I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to. And what does Jesus say? Get thee behind me, Satan. He calls his closest disciples Satan, and he calls his betrayer friend. Why? Because the one was trying to hinder the dream, and the other one was propelling him toward the dream. Listen, my friend, your situation is either your friend or it's Satan. If you're going to accept it and it's going to hold you back from what God wants from you, you've got to rebuke it and walk away from it. But if it's something that leads you maybe into more suffering, but you know on the other side of suffering is glory and anointing, you can embrace that thing and say, my friend, why have you come? I'm going to learn it. I'm going to seek it. I'm going to walk through it. Oh, there is a move right now in the spirit. I sense it in the presence of God. I know this isn't a hip, hip, hooray kind of message, but this message is going to get you through your troubles and your trials. It's going to get through through your struggles when you recognize that you are the one that's connected to the one that has the power it doesn't matter how bad it gets. It doesn't matter how much the struggle it is. It doesn't matter what the suffering is. It doesn't matter about the rejection. It doesn't matter about the trouble. It doesn't matter about the oppression. All you know is God, let me come through it so that on the other side, you've knocked everything off that needs to be knocked off. You've purified everything that needs to be purified. I'm willing, God, to step into the power of your anointing. Just let me get through this situation, God and understand what you're doing. He's either God or he's not. He's either in control or he's not. I'll say that again. He's either in control or he's not in control. Which one will you believe? He's got the whole world in his hands. I know we treat that as a kid's song, but some of us adults should probably sing it to ourselves every once in a while. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. You're either in his hands and he's holding you or he's not. But God said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen, he didn't promise that to believers. He promised that to everybody. When you're away from God, he's right there. When, when you don't, didn't know him, when you, were, when you were lost, when you were 
downtrodden, when you were broken, when you were addicted, when you were this, when you were that, when you were fighting, when you were suffering, when you were struggling, when you felt like you were all alone, God was always right there. You just didn't perceive him. But he took all of that junk to make you glorious. I invite you to stand. There is a battle. Let me say it this way. It is the battle of our generation. And we're going to address this Friday and Saturday. But the main battle that we fight is between our ears. What we think and how we perceive. Well, pastor, my situation is so big, I can't hardly breathe. The earth is the fullness, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Is it bigger than the earth? Well, well, he's holding it in his hand. It's perception. Don't get me wrong. Don't walk away from here that says pastor doesn't have any empathy or sympathy or any of that stuff that you're going through. Some I get all of that. That's human nature. But what I want to tell somebody is that if you'll just hold on to the master's hand, God's using it. If he hasn't even sent it, but God's using it to make you and propel you into an anointing and a power. And let me just tell you this. I'm not just talking to new people that have never experienced it. But every season of life has the opportunity of elevation. And every elevation, I'm just telling you where I am today is not where I was. But it's not just because God's always blessed and always been good. You didn't see the sleepless nights. You didn't see the tears in the middle of the night. You weren't there when I was living in my mom's basement with a with our wall being a bookshelf. You weren't there when we had to have some gentleman come to our house every single week just to keep our car running. You weren't there when we didn't have two nickels to rub together. You weren't there. You haven't seen the price that we've paid. I don't say that to pat myself on the back. I say that to say this. Jesus allowed all of that or did all of that in order to get me to where I am now and I'm thankful for where I am. I stand in the power and the authority of the one that made me I know in the heat of the moment it's not comfortable it's not peaceful it's troubling when your teenager is turning their back on you when your spouse is turning their back on you when the jobs are upheaval when things are going on and nothing is settled and nothing is it's all just kind of a a, a jumbled mess let me just tell you he's the God of jumble He's the God that takes care of it all. Just hold on to him and say, God, when you bring me out, uh, I will have clarity of thought. Uh, I will have power of anointing. I will walk in the authority of who I am in you because you have made me and formed me to be that. When I was in college... I wrote a story for our school paper. 
because I got tired of hearing the statement that says, God didn't promise you a bed of roses. Because in my sarcastic nature, I was like, well, then why did he make them? If he didn't promise them to me, why did he make them? I really had this when I, Kansas City, we had a rose bush that I couldn't kill. I tried everything. I tried pulling it out from its roots and it still grew back. I did with gasoline and it came back. I finally realized, like Paul, there was a thorn in my side. And that bush wasn't going anywhere. It may still be there today. I don't know. But I got to realize, and I wrote this story, God absolutely promises you a bed of roses. But to get into the midst of the roses, you have to be in the midst of the thorns. The beauty and the terribleness of God. We like to think the disciples had it made. Most of us wouldn't serve God if we went through what the disciples went through. When was the last time you had a cat of nine tails go across your back? Simply because you believe Jesus. When was the last time you sat in a dungeon because of Jesus? And I close with this. Do you know what Jesus did at the end of the feeding of the 5,000? Have you ever read that story? What did Jesus do? He said this. He says, I'm going to stay here a while. You go across the sea and get over there. Knowing full well that a storm was coming. He sent the disciples into the storm and he stayed on shore. Sometimes God will send you into a storm and it will seem like he doesn't go with you. He's watching you from the shore. He's watching to see what you're going to do. He's watching to see how you're going to handle it. And when you get to the very most desperate point of the storm, here he comes walking on the water. Because he never left you alone. He just needed to prove you a little bit. He just needed to help you a little bit. Can I just tell you that those disciples after Jesus did that probably didn't fear the storms anymore? I want you to bow your head. We're, we're not going to have a real... I mean, if somebody needs to come to the altar, please come. If somebody needs prayer, please come. But all across this place, this entire place, uh, it becomes an altar space. And I want you to think of something that you're going through right now. And maybe you've been blaming your own stupidity. And you're blaming your own bad decisions. Or maybe you're blaming Satan and his minions for it. 
But after hearing this message from the Word of God, you are recognizing that maybe it's just God using it. And maybe I'm in this because God is trying to teach me something. And maybe I'm in the middle of it because God is preparing me and equipping me to step into a brand new dimension of relationship with him. A depth that I don't have yet. An intimacy that I don't have yet. Because I understand, Lord, that intimacy comes through the hard times and not just the good times. Intimacy comes in a marriage, Lord, when they have to work together through problems, when they have to support one another in heartache. Lord, when they have to fight through some things and when they get to the other side, they realize that their relationship is now more intimate than if everything was easy going and everything was easy to, to happen and there's, there's a process to it and that same intimacy, God, you're calling us into right now and I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, to let your hand rest upon their shoulder even now. I'm not asking you to remove them from the situation. I'm not asking you to change their situation. I'm not asking you to remove their struggle. What I am asking you right now, Jesus, is to let them see you in it. Let them see the wealthy place that's getting ready to take place. Let them see the high place that you're getting ready to take them. Let them see the anointing that you're getting ready to pour upon them. Let them see the promise in the midst of their nightmare so that when they wake from being shaken by the situation, they're ready to walk in the power of the day. From the top of every head to the sole of every foot, God, let your spirit saturate and consume right now, knowing that in every situation, the end is always hopeful. The end is always rejoicing. Though weeping is for a moment, joy comes in the morning. Lord Jesus, though struggle is for a moment, resurrection is right behind the moment. I'm asking you, Lord God, to give us a shifting of perception. Lord, help us to see what you're doing. Help us to be bold enough to follow into hell with you and out of hell with you. Help us, Lord God, to be bold enough to step into arenas that are uncomfortable because you've sent us there only to walk out of there with our heads held high and the glory cloud of God resting around us. I'm asking you, Jesus, to move. Would you seal that with worship right now? I love you, Jesus. 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 Your earthly rejection is heaven's gain. Your earthly abandonment is heaven's gain. The abuse that you endured is heaven's gain. 
the doubts that you're experiencing are heaven's game. The pain that you're walking through right now is heaven's game. The turmoil between you and your spouse is going to become heaven's gain. The divide between you and your children, it's heaven's gain. Jesus has stepped into this house right now and is trying to speak to you. Don't abandon the suffering because on the other side of the suffering is the resurrection, is the glorification, is the sanctification, is the justification. On the other side of your Calvary is your freedom. So don't despise the working of the There's a still small voice in this house right now. There's a depth to the anointing and presence of God right now. Mm. Yeah. Turn it over to Him. Turn it over to Him. We, we pray ourselves out of things too soon. Just pray through it. Jesus, just take me through. I'm not asking you to deliver me from it. Just strengthen me through it and mold me and shape me because I want to be more like you. I want to be more like you. Don't ignore that voice. Some of you aren't sure what to do. Just, just soak in what you're feeling and experiencing. Right, God's trying to speak to somebody individually right now. Those of you that have been around, just begin to pray a little bit. Just begin to seek him. Help the person next to you. They're struggling, but their struggle is getting ready to turn to glory. Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, 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 yes. Young person, that aloneness, that loneliness, that emptiness, don't despise it. Just turn to Jesus. Jesus is calling you away into your own experience. He's calling you away from your parents' experience to your experience. He's wanting to minister to you. He loves you that much. You are his chosen. You are his delight. You are precious in his sight.
this is okay. This is a quiet time before God. It's okay. I, I know this is a heavy message. It's a, it's a convicting message. It's a message that sometimes we don't like to hear because we like to get out of things. But he's using it. Wash over us, God. Strengthen us, Lord. Bless us, Jesus. I will give you is less than giving you my very best. Let me remember Calvary's cross and remember to say yes. I want to say yes, Jesus. I want to walk through it, God. I close with this. We're not going to dismiss in prayer, but I close with this statement. If you're going through hell, just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep watching. Just keep seeing. Let Jesus take you through it. You're suffering physically, let Jesus take you through it. Emotionally, let Jesus take you through it. Spiritually, let Jesus take you through it. There's nobody like him. There's nobody like him. And can I tell you what, we're, what we say when we, we blame him for not being delivered and things? We say that we don't, what we're really saying is we don't trust him enough. Now, do we have to be delivered from time to time? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He pulled me out of the mire. I didn't do it. He pulled me out of that situation. But when we are his children, sometimes he sends us into things to get us to the other side. We love you all so very much. I pray that you'll, we'll see you on Friday, Chain Breakers Wednesday night. God bless you. We love all of you. Have a great, great week in the presence of the Lord. In Jesus' name, greet one another.